morning, everybody. As uh, Sarah's already said, my name's Mike. I, uh, I'm from South Wales, from a town called Llanelli. But I live in... Oh, quite right, I've forgotten to switch that on, haven't I? No. Oh, man. So my name's Mike, I'm from South Wales. I'm from a town called Llanelli, but I live in Swansea. If you know the geog ge geography of South Wales, then you know I've crossed the bridge. It's called the Lacha Bridge. And uh, there's 12 miles in between Swansea and Llanelli, physically and culturally, thousands and thousands of miles. I always get teased that I'm a Llanelli boy, and I always tell them, that I believe in cross-cultural evangelism. <laughs> I haven't crossed the, the bridge that Sarah crossed, of course. Sarah, um, I don't know, Sarah comes from this place, this part of the country. I don't know if you think she's getting more Welshy in her accent. Yeah. I don't know why that is. It must be someone she's living with, I guess. <laughs> in the passage, in the passage that we're looking at in Ephesians, um, there's a, a number of things, but the first thing I want to point out is it talks about uh, what is called the five-fold ministry, the five-fold ministry, and there's lots of discussion about the five-fold ministry, that is, um, is, it, is it still in operation today, did it cease, all of those kind of things. Well, there's some definite things we can say. Number one, that the apostles and the prophets mentioned and not the same as the apostles and the prophets of the scriptures. One big reason for, for that is the prophets' words in the Old Testament and the apostles' writing in the New Testament become the canon of scripture. That doesn't happen anymore. But I, I believe that there are apostles and prophets, and we call them for the lack of a better way of saying it, an apostle with a small a and a, a prophet with a small p. The um, there's a difference definitely between the apostles that we find in the New Testament and the prophets of the Old Testament and what we receive, what we see today. But there's other, te there's other things there. The evangelists, some say that the pastor and teacher are one gift and therefore it should be four, four gifts mentioned. Well, in Ephesians, it mentions five of them. I believe that they're still in existence, although they, they operate in a different way. An easy way to remember them is to have a look at your hand. Okay, so there's a five. So here you have the prophet, because he points things out. Okay, then you've got the evangelist, because they reach out further than the rest. Then you've got the pastor, because it's the finger of love. Then you've got the teacher, because it gets in your ears. And then you've got the apostle who touches all of them and helps you pick things up and start things. So there you go, the fivefold ministry on your hand, easy way to remember them. But more importantly this morning is why they are given and what can happen if we take that uh, part away. Verse 12 says this, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up, really important, until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. 
and become mature, tending to the whole measure of the fullness of God. When you see people with great gifts, unfortunately, the church is brilliant at putting them on a pedestal. And all of a sudden, there's a temptation for people to minister in the gifts, whatever gift it is, for their own sake. They become the ministry. They become the great thing. And it's never meant to be like that. It was always meant to be that the gifts were given so that the body could benefit. And the body grows. Now, let me give you a simple example, if I can. Remember the time when you first fell in love? Okay, some of you are remembering it because I can see a smile coming on your face. Some of you are going, oh, I can't remember that far back. Um, And you looked in to your partner's eyes and you said, you've got beautiful eyes. The eyes are beautiful, aren't they? Beautiful eyes. It's a wonderful thing. And we, we sometimes say, do we? Oh, that person's got stunning eyes or they've got beautiful eyes. And that's fine. But the thing is beautiful because where it is, it's in the body. If I had an eyeball here, <laughs> you wouldn't be saying, oh, that's a beautiful eyeball. You would probably, I don't want to be too graphic, but if it you know, had some attachments to it, it's hanging down. And Sorry, I can see some people um, <laughs> grimacing already. But you would be going, it would have the opposite effect, wouldn't it? You'd be going, oh, that looks horrible. What's the difference? Well, the first point, it's in the body. It's doing what it's meant to do in the body. You see, the gifts are given to the church, to be operated by the church, for the church, in the body of the church, and then reaching out. They're not meant to be loners doing their own thing. In fact, when they remove themselves from the body, they become ugly in God's sight, I would say. They're not meant to be there. They're meant, as Ephesians says, to be building up the body so that we all become mature. All of us attaining to the whole measure of the fullness in Christ. They're meant for those things. But we often, we often take them out of their, out of their position. And all of a sudden, we've got something that has never meant to have been like that. And unfortunately... As a church, generally, and um, right across the world, we've got people who would stand on the God's gift that God has given them and make a name for themselves. And I don't mean you can't, nobody can help someone else putting you on a platform, that you can't help that. But for some people, they've done that intentionally. And it's a danger. But there's another danger that is far more subtle when it comes to God's gifts within the church and God's anointing on different people. And this isn't a full uh, list of different things that you can do in the church. There's many, many other things. But and here's the, the danger. 
And you'll find the danger in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12, or at least Paul mentioning the danger. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. Back in the day, you've got this. In, in, in the Corinthian church, you had what is so-called, they call themselves the super apostles. They call themselves super apostles. And their argument was this. You know, Paul, he comes and he can write, okay, but when he speaks, he's not that good. He's not that eloquent. He's not that powerful. And these guys in Corinth and in other ch- low, uh, early churches they were great orators. Of course, in, in that day, there was a, the, that was the main form of communication. So they would be great orators and they would be able to hold great speeches and they'd have great power with words and they'd be able to um, paint a picture in their sermons and all kinds of things. And these, and these, these, these so-called, they called it, um, they, they called themselves, it mind, super apostles. They were saying, and you'll, you can read it all in, in, in 2 Corinthians. They were saying, listen, Paul, he's, 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 he's writing, he writes very strongly, but don't worry, when he comes, he's, he's, not much of a, he's not much of a person, really. You don't have to worry about him. He's not very eloquent. You don't have to be concerned about him and all that kind of stuff. And Paul is defending his, himself in the right way and saying, I'm not commending myself. I'm not comparing myself to anybody else. But when they measure themselves, uh, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 12, but when they measure them, themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. And this is a real issue for us in churches, isn't it? It's an issue for all of us as believers. We compare ourselves with each other. And when we do that, it can rob us of many things. So some of you may be here, and I'm just giving this as an example because it's an easy example. It's not the only thing. But some of you here may be scared to pray out loud. And one of the reasons why you don't want to pray out loud in a prayer meeting, maybe, is because I can't pray as good as whoever I haven't got the right words as whoever. I'm not as good as whoever. You've compared yourself and it makes you, because I don't know what to say. Um, I, you know, I, I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of maybe doing that. I had a friend, and you know, for us who can pray out loud, we need to be careful that we don't scare other people off. My friend had a prayer voice. Have you got a prayer voice? He had a prayer voice, he did. He was, a, he was an English guy. Every time I spoke to him, he had a deep Cockney accent. Except when he prayed. I don't know what happened to him, but he became American. <laughs> so we were in a prayer meeting, and he'd say, Almighty God. I'm thinking, who is this? Who's in you? He had a prayer voice. Now, there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. Of course. But sometimes we can compare with other people. 
if you are one of those people who find it difficult to pray out loud, and why should you pray out loud? I'm only using it as an example. You can take about any other kind of stuff within the church life. But why should we? Well, number one, it says, when we agree in prayer. Now, unlike God, God can see your heart. He hears your prayer. He knows your prayer. Unlike him, I cannot. I can only agree with your prayer if I hear it. I can't agree otherwise. And amen says, amen means so, so be it, or I agree. I can only truly say amen to a prayer that I've heard. I, can't, I don't know what's going on in your heart. God does, so the prayer will reach God because that's, that's how God is. <laughs> but if we want to pray together and agree together, we need to pray out loud. But we're scared, aren't we, some of us? I, don't, I can't speak for anybody here. I don't know. You might be all great in this point. What I'm trying to say is comparison, comparison can rob us of some real beautiful things within the church. It keeps us from seeing the beauty of our own lives and our own gifts. God has gifted and beautified each and every one of us. If you're a believer in him this morning, if you've come to faith, he's given you a beautiful, beautiful life. And it might not be up the front, and who cares? No, Sarah and me are very different. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> you know, one of, the, one of the gifts that God has given me, and it was like this before I was a Christian, is I'm a mouth on legs. Okay. I'm quite loud. I'm quite I'm I'm not scared of crowds. Doesn't bother me. And that's God that's a part of God's makeup in my life. It can be used for good and it can be used for bad. Sarah, on the other hand, is a one-to-one person. Much better than I am in that setting so we'll go we'll go somewhere Sarah will come out and say I saw you talking with lots of people what are they into but you were talking for over an hour what did you talk about sport (laughs) food um, oh, they support Arsenal. Sarah, on the other hand, will have talked to someone for a quarter of an hour. She knows their backstory. She knows where they've come from, who they are, what's happened to them, their family situation, everything about them. Why is different gifting? You know, Sarah coming in the front of anything is nervous. One to one, she's not. Now, we could, no, we all need to, Sarah needs to do some things up front, and I need to get better at being one-to-one. That's nothing wrong with that. But we don't compare one another with one another. We don't say, well, Sarah is less than Mike because Sarah only does one-to-one. Not at all. It's so vital. In the work that we're involved in, it's absolutely vital. In fact, if it was up to me, I'd still be running an event, and I'd know nobody there. 
really well. But because Sarah is going in and finding out about people and trying to organise, can we come and meet you? On a, you know, can, can, you want to come to our house? Can we come to your house? Da, 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 da. We get to know people much better. So it's not a comparison. It's a togetherness. We're meant to be different. But comparison can keep you from that. Compar- comparison can steal your joy. It can focus on what you don't have instead of what God has given you. What you don't have. I wish I could do that. I wish I could do this. I wish. And some of that is a good thing. Some of that is growing. But some of it, it robs. It can rob us. It can lead us to an unhealthy envy or insecurity. It can make us have a false sense of inferiority in the same way as I was talking about the prayer. I can't pray out loud because I can't pray like whoever. There was a a story I heard about a new believer in a church. They stood up and they prayed. And uh, after after that person prayed at the end of the service, some person went up to them and said, I don't think your prayer was quite right. And, and there's a place for that, right? There's a, there is a place for that, you know, perhaps, perhaps some of the theology was off and all that kind of stuff. New believer. But I thought this new believer had a great answer. He said, I, good job, I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> Which is quite a good answer, isn't it? But there is a place. I'm not saying that you, 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 should, you shouldn't correct things theologically. I'm not saying that. But... Guys, let's have that in mind when we're coming to pray. And again, I'm only using this as an example because I know people struggle with it. And I know that it's, it's, it's an easy example for me as a speaker. <laughs> when we come to pray, we're not talking to one another. We're not trying to impress anybody. And if we are, you know, we're not impressing anybody. <laughs> oh, sorry, if we are trying to impress other people, we're not really touching the one we should be touching. <laughs> If that's, our, if that's our motivation to pray. Comparison can be a genuine barrier to a genuine relationships. We can't just be ourselves. We've got to put something, something of a face on because we know or we think we're being compared with one another. We need to be a genuine people. Warts and all. As Mr. Cromwell said in his painting, or someone painting him. Comparison can be a distraction from our true purpose in life. Actually, our true purpose in life is not to, not to impress anybody in this world. Though we might, we might not. That might go along with the, with the journey. We might, we might not. But that's not our true purpose. Our true purpose as a church and as individuals as a church is to bring glory to the King of Kings. To see him lifted up. To see him glorified. To see him have the fame and the fortune and all that goes with it. To have him in lights if you want. Not us. Not us as individuals. Not us as a church. 
I found it hard. You know, I, 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 we attend and I work for a church in, uh, in, in Swansea to, at, some, at some times, and a church came into the same area as we were in. They wanted to plant the church. And you know, my immediate, my immediate reaction was, but that's our, that's our patch. Oh, I couldn't believe it. I found it in my own heart. That's our patch. And then I started to realize that our patch has got um, probably about 6,000 people living in it. So we've definitely got room for 12 churches of 500 strong. And then I thought, hang about, <laughs> it doesn't matter if they're on our patch. There's a lot of work to do. So, if we're not meant to boast about ourselves, if we're not meant to compare ourselves with ourselves, it's my last point, guys. What are we meant to do? 2 Corinthians 10, 17 says this. But let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. He's our plumb line. First and foremost, he's our plumb line. He's the one that we need to compare ourselves with. And if we're honest, we'll always be short of the mark in and of ourselves. But there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because he's given us his righteousness. We'll talk a bit more about righteousness tonight if you're coming. But he's given us his righteousness. He's aligned us with himself through what Jesus has done. Not because of our works, but because of what Jesus has done. And who do we boast in? We boast about him. Because of everything that he's done for us. He's set us free. He's given us new life. He's given us a purpose. He's given us uh, um, a joy. He's given us the gifts that we've got. And he wants them to be operated so that he gets the glory. That he gets the fame. And he uses us in that. But he's a good shepherd. And he looks after us so well. So my friends, let's not be involved in comparison. Let us use the gift that God has given us within the church that brings glory to him for the sake of us all and brings glory to him. And let the world see as they look in at the church, I'm not talking about looking into a building, as they look at the people of the church, that once again they will say, look at how they love one another. And that they will be drawn to the Father because of our good works. That they would know the Father in heaven. My friends, let's be a church that uses what God has given us in a way that he wants us to be used. Let's not compare with one another. But let us be people who are full of faith, truth and love. And that is operational in us, through us and into the world we live in. Amen.